0: Is it okay for moms and dads to fight in front of the kids? Barbara Rainey says sometimes it is.
1: We decided that we wanted our kids to see us having some disagreements, not big conflict. But if we were disagreeing about something that was not a huge thing, but we really both had a strong opinion on it, we decided that we would go ahead and occasionally express our disagreement in front of our kids and let them watch us work it out and we just disagree and parents disagree and it's okay for parents to disagree.
0: This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. Your kids are going to have to know how to resolve conflict because conflict's a part of life. So they need your coaching and they need to see how you do it. We're going to talk more about that today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Thursday edition. We're going to talk today about what moms and dads can do to help their children develop some relational intelligence. To help them know how to do relationships right. How right. to
2: love. How to love imperfect people. And it's that kind of programming that we try to provide here at Family Life Today that keeps listeners coming back for more. You want to hear one of my favorite stories all time stories in twenty seven years of broadcasting. It was a a letter from a woman who lived in Alaska, and where she lived, she couldn't get a radio signal. So she, every day, it was like at 10 o'clock, 1030, she would get on her snowmobile (laughs) and drive out to a ridge so she could listen to family life today. A woman, a wife, a mother, who needed practical, biblical help and hope for her home. And uh, when you give to Family Life Today, you're making this broadcast possible, not merely to folks who live on the outskirts of humanity in Alaska, but you're making it possible all across our country. And if you believe in what we're doing here on Family Life Today, I need you to pick up the phone or go online or take out a check and say, Guys, keep going. Twenty seven years has been great, but we need this broadcast to stand strong now. Here's here's my investment in godly homes and legacies for generations to come.
0: During the Christmas season and as we approach the end of the year, this is a particularly critical time to hear from listeners, isn't it?
2: It is. Over forty percent of our donations coming this month. And as I said on a on a recent broadcast, these thirty days determine how Family Life is going to keep broadcasting over the next 11 months. Please stand with us. We need your help
0: now. Here's good news. Right now, if you help with a donation, your donation is going to be doubled. It's going to be matched dollar for dollar because we've got some friends of the ministry who have offered to match every donation we receive during the month of December dollar for dollar, up to a total of $2.5 million. That's a huge opportunity for us, and we're hoping Family Life Today listeners will respond and make an online donation or call to donate. And when you do, we'd like to say thank you this year by sending you a DVD copy of the movie that Family Life produced this year that was in theaters a few months ago. It's a movie called Like Arrows. It's going to be available to purchase in early 2019, but right now we have a limited supply available if you can help with the year-end donation. Donate online at familylifetoday.com or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to donate and just ask for the DVD, Like Arrows, and we'll send that out to you, along with our thanks for your support of the ministry. Now, I, I want to tell you guys about my next-door neighbor when I was growing up. His name was D. He was a year younger than me. We grew up across the driveway from one another. We had a shared driveway. No, that,
2: you're not talking about recently. You're talking about when you were a kid. This okay. when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah,
0: so this was uh, this was back in, in Glendale, Missouri. Back before the Earth's crest part. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we shared a driveway that wide off, as you came up the driveway, the right side went to their house. The left side went to our house. We moved in. I was two, and Dee was one, and we went all the way through high school together. He was the best man that? in my wedding. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we had uh, we had a great relationship. In fact, Dee just came and spent a weekend at our house uh, a couple of months ago, and we had a great time getting caught up on everything. Wow. So Dee and I played together a lot as we were growing up. And one time, my mom loved telling this story, one time she was watching us out the back door and Dee was like a year and a half and I was two and a half years old and I pushed him <laughs> down, pushed him onto the ground and he fell down, he was crying and she came out and she said, Bobby, why did you push him? And I said, I shot him, he's dead and he won't fall down. <laughs> so pushed him to the ground. But I remember Dee's dad. Dee's dad would always, when when... He would step into the room where we were playing or where his sister or my sister, we were all together and there was squabbling or there was something. Dee's dad would come in. He'd just laugh it, he'd say, little children love one another. That was his... <laughs> he would repeat that over and over again. And I didn't realize he was quoting scripture when he was saying that, but he was just stepping into what is often the case with kids. And that is that kids don't do a great job of loving one another. And he was giving us a little coaching on what really matters. That's which it's it, One of the mm-hmm. themes that you address. And by the way, Barbara, welcome back to Family Life Today. Thank you, Bob. Nice to have you here again with us today as we're talking about parenting. We're talking about the new book you've written called The Art of Parenting. And one of the core themes in this book is that we've got to help our kids be good at relationships because they're not naturally good at relationships. And we learn that pretty soon. As soon as you have more than one in a family, conflict comes in pretty quickly, doesn't it? And if you don't teach... The resolution of conflict, if you don't teach your children
2: how to love another imperfect person, you're not doing a good job preparing them for the rest of their life because they're going to spend the rest of their lives relating to selfish, sinful, broken people, many of them of whom think and believe differently than uh, they do, And, and they have to know how to do this. And I just know that the older I've gotten, the more resolute I am that the family is an incubator. It's a training vehicle for young pioneers who are going to spend the rest of their lives on their journey, first time they've ever been there, but they got to know how to relate to people.
0: Barbara, we've talked already about how important it is for parents to doggedly pursue their children, to pursue a relationship with them, to build a strong, healthy, unconditional love, forgiveness, grace-based relationship with our kids. Even when we do that, our, our children are not going to naturally embrace that same kind of a relationship with their siblings. I'm thinking of how I've watched my grandkids now who are one and two years old. They're, they're not thinking about these things consciously, but there's an innate sense of I want what I want. I want to be <laughs> the center of attention. If you're interfering with what I want, I'm going to make life hard for you. Mm-hmm. This is that fundamental self-oriented nature that's in each one of us and that's what keeps us from having healthy relationships, isn't it?
1: Exactly. And that's what makes mom and dad's job hard is that our kids are born sinful and we know that. But they're so sweet and they're so lovable and we just think they're the greatest that we forget sometimes that they're little sinners (laughs) at the core. But it comes out in their sibling relationships and we saw it all the time with our kids. It, It was the one part of parenting that was absolutely the hardest for me. It wore me out. I felt like a failure. I felt like I was never going to get them to where they liked each other because they acted like they didn't like each other all the time. But Dennis and I worked at it. And even though we felt like failures, we didn't quit teaching and we didn't quit training in getting along. And primarily what we taught and trained over and over again was the whole concept of recognizing what you did wrong, naming what you did wrong, than saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And, you know, teaching that whole dialogue of forgiveness and restitution and reconciliation. It takes time, and it's exhausting to do it multiple times, day after day after day after day, year after year. But you have to do that to teach your children to know how to relate to another sinful human being.
2: One of the things we tried to do with our children is to help them realize that they are relating to what C.S. Lewis called not mere mortals, but eternal beings. That they needed to recognize that every person was made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 talks about how God created them, male and female, but he made them in his image. And as, as image bearers, they have value. Mm-hmm. They have worth. And our children need to recognize that. And to teach that lesson, unfortunately... I had to share a failure in my life growing up through grade school, junior high, and high school of a girl that I went to school with. Now, you'd have to know my, my class. There were 43 in my class in Ozark, Missouri. And so you knew everybody. Yeah. And we went through all 12 grades together, for the most part, the same group of people. I want to call the young lady Alice. But Alice came from the wrong side of the tracks. Her parents were poor. She wore tattered clothes. She was not very smart. And from a young age, I remember being a part of a group of guys who made fun of her and laughed about her. And I remember when the spiritual lights came on in my life as a junior in college, I remember repenting and being grieved that I had treated that young lady with such a lack of respect and I shared that story with our kids and I, because they're growing up with kids who are just like that in their right, class. Right. It's a human being. They may not smell like you smell, think like you think. They may not be as athletic or as smart, but they're made in the image of God. And you need to ascribe to them value and worth and love them because they are made in the image of God.
0: I, I think oftentimes it's our own insecurity or our kids' own insecurity about what they're good at that causes them to look at others and, and uh, find yeah. fault. Or, I think you're or pick right. On mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're masking our own insecurities by trying to make ourselves feel better or look better. than than other kids. And and this goes to the core. I remember reading something by an author, a guy named Bill Gillum, that always stuck with me. And I've used this line over and over again. He said, when a child is born, he draws a circle around his life and declares himself the Lord of the ring. (laughs) And I I think we have to acknowledge that's true. Mm -hmm. As children, we're thinking, life's about me. Life should revolve around me. I saw something called the Toddler's Creed years ago. You remember? <laughs> oh yeah. If, if I want it, it's mine. If I had it five minutes ago, it's mine. If you have it and I want it, it's mine. This is this is how kids think. We have to train our kids not to be self-centered, but to be other-centered, which goes against their nature, and uh, and goes against what the culture is telling them.
1: Well, and it works in families too. It's not just kids competing and comparing themselves in school. Our kids and our family are doing that. So even if you just have two children, they're sizing one another up. They're thinking through who's the favorite, where is my place, what, what is my role, how do I fit in this group called the family. And the more kids you have, the more of that that's going to take place. You're going to have more conflict, more sizing up, more trying to figure out pecking order, so to speak. So it's just endemic in who we are, and it happens in every family.
2: There, there's another way we tried to teach our kids how to love one another, and that came through the issue of uh, resolving conflict. And I actually have a documentation here of some of the conflict that occurred between family members. The police
0: reports you've brought. It, it, it really it,
2: it has fingerprints on it, eyewitnesses, photos. That's right.
0: <laughs> DNA. AKA.
2: And here's what it's about. And there's going to be some parents breathe a sigh of relief when they hear my list. This is about sibling rivalry. Now we have already talked about this a little bit. But I just want to give you some evidence from our family of what our kids thought about as they grew up. One of the number one reasons they fought was who sits in the front seat <laughs> with mom or dad on the way to school. And how did, you, mm-hmm. how did you solve that? We assigned a day. Okay. Now, that's good as long as you got less than five kids. Yeah. Five or
1: less.
2: We had six. So uh, there was a dilemma there. But what they fought over the seats in the car. They fought over the amount of ice cream they got, <laughs> number of cookies, how you broke the Hershey's
0: with almonds. Because it's not in, in little squares. The squares. Like, did you do the thing where one breaks and the other picks? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We yeah, we did And that we so. told
2: them that, that fair is what comes around to town once a year. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. The third thing they, uh, they thought about was who'd worked the hardest. Who'd done the most? Mm-hmm. Who'd got to play the most? <laughs> who uh, who last spent the night at a friend's house? And whose turn it was now? Who made the mess? Who did it last? <laughs> who did it first? Who had it first? And the older ones argued that we were just spoiling the, <laughs> the, young, younger, the ones. younger ones. They, and, and the art of parenting has got some great evidence on this because you ask our kids.
0: The video series, yeah, we we interviewed <laughs> your children and asked them to talk about is, is was one of them the favorite. And,
1: and you ask, who's the favorite?
0: And the favorite knew she was the favorite, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, the kids
2: named her and she named herself. <laughs> right. Two more here, just again, examples of how broken people have difficulty with one another borrowing things hmm. like clothes mm-hmm. like tools
0: without asking
2: yeah and then the last one was teasing name calling bullying mm-hmm. finding them doing something wrong and ratting on one another i mean we had we had a detective in our family <laughs> who was really capable of convicting any child at any well, point. Well,
1: wasn't a detective. He was, we called him a lawyer. <laughs> he didn't end up going into law, but we thought he should have because he was so good at prosecuting his siblings.
2: So here's, here's the point. As a parent, do you know the very basic fundamentals of how two broken people resolve a conflict? Listen carefully because this comes from the weekend to remember marriage getaway. And if you haven't been, this is a good reason to go to just become equipped in these basics of what are the components of forgiveness. The first thing is it demands communication and an admission. I was wrong when I. Then it is, number two, will you forgive me for doing X? And you name the offense. And then the one who's been offended has the opportunity at that point to say, yes, I decide to forgive you. And this is key because your children need to know what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Forgiveness means you give up the right to punish another person. And sometimes our kids would not forgive one another, and so we'd give them chores. On their forget-the-boys, we tied uh, two of their legs together and made them sweep the garage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because they wouldn't forgive each other. And, and uh, of course, the older one drugged the younger one around, uh-huh. the gar- uh, around the garage, and that created more conflict. So that wasn't such a good idea <laughs> over the long haul. But the, the key thing is you make them look each other in the eye and say, will you forgive me when I did blank? And then we say, okay, what's your response? It means you give up the right to punish your sister, to punish your brother. And then we talk about reconciliation and rebuilding trust. All of those points are the the basics of how you help two people know how to love another person who will disappoint them at times.
0: And and these basics of conflict resolution are fundamental building blocks that will serve kids throughout their life in every relationship. If they don't know how to seek and grant forgiveness, life is not going to go well for them. <laughs> of course, I remember with our kids it was tell your sister you're sorry. Mm-hmm. And you know what they'd say, right? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, say it like you mean it, you know. And then they <laughs> they'd get silly. You, you really have to teach them how to how to do this. And it, it feels rote for a while, and it is rote for a while. But that's okay. But that's okay. Get it habitual in mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. over <laughs> and over and that's over again. Right. I'll tell you, there is
2: a method of teaching uh, in the Bible called the rabbinical method of teaching. You know what it is? Repetition. Yeah. Do you know what sibling rivalry is? An opportunity to teach over and over and over again how you resolve
0: conflict with another person. We had one of our kids who um, liked to tease siblings, right? We
1: had one of those, too. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: and, and <this laughs> I think is, we had more than the, one. The, so, so the teasing, when they would say things that were cruel or harsh or mean-spirited, and we would say, don't. Don't talk to your sister like Mm -hmm. that. Don't talk to your brother. That's not loving. And how would they respond? Do you remember?
1: Well, ours always said, I was just kidding. I was
0: only kidding. So that's what brought up. And I'm going to give parents a great verse to memorize at the table tonight, okay? Because our kids had to memorize this. This is Proverbs 26, Mm -hmm. verses 18 and 19. Like a madman shooting firebrands (laughs) or deadly arrows (laughs) is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking every time one of this, this child would tease, I would say, recite the verse. And he'd have to like a madman shooting firebrands <laughs> or deadly arrows is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. But I was trying to say, when you say I'm only kidding, you're a madman. Mm-hmm. You're you're shooting firebrands toward your your sister or your brother, destructive behavior. Mm-hmm.
1: And dismissing it.
0: As I was only joking. Mm-hmm. These are the kinds of relationship building blocks that we've got to build in. Tell, tell listeners about what it was. Do you even know what it was that caused your boys to rip the door off the bedroom?
1: Oh, we have no idea. <laughs> At least I don't have it. Do you remember?
0: No. Just, one, I mean, of their wrestling, just yeah. one of their wrestling, you know, they were World
2: Federation <laughs> wrestling <laughs> they matches. They were teenagers almost, when this they were, Yeah,
1: they were teenagers, and so they just, they shoved each other around, and I didn't like it, because, you know, I just, I'm a girl, and I just wanted everybody to get along and like each other <laughs> and be nice, but I, you know. Boys, the kitchen light,
2: the kitchen light was right underneath their
1: their bedroom, your bedroom yeah.
2: and it would bounce back. It
0: would shake. It
2: yeah. would bounce. I mean,
1: it, we could feel the, yeah, we and could so feel the house And so one day we went
2: up there, and what did we find?
1: Well, they'd... Slammed each other into, or both of them had slammed themselves into the door, and it ripped the door off the hinges. I mean, it wasn't literally on the ground, but it had split the wood. You'd
0: pulled the the screws out Out of of, the wall. You couldn't couldn't
2: repair it, right? We did not repair it. We just left it in the room and had no no
1: door. Couldn't shut couldn't shut the door. Yeah. Which wasn't a bad—it
2: wasn't bad—a
1: bad consequence because then they realized they couldn't get privacy. And, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't so bad. Let,
2: let me tell you another way that parents dare not miss as they train their kids to love other people, especially around resolving conflict. Resolve it between you and your spouse. Hmm. Your kids are like little radar units. I know when Barbara and I would have an argument in the kitchen. Sometimes I would feel like there's this herd or covey. Of little quail just circling us, locked on, watching us go back and forth, sometimes at each other. Not healthy, okay? Right. And sometimes I would say, time out, sweetheart. Kids, your mom and dad love each other. We're in a covenant keeping marriage. We're going to go the distance. Uh, th- th- we're not in trouble. We just have a disagreement, okay? There's an African proverb that says, when the elephants bite, it's the grass that suffers. And it it suffers in more ways than one because if they don't see you
0: resolving conflict in your marriage, how are they going to know how to do it when they get married? So I'm going to ask you about that because some parents, you know, will say we're not going to do conflict in front Mm -hmm. of our kids. Mm -hmm. We will, if we've got a disagreement, we'll postpone it. We'll do it back in the bedroom. We don't want our kids to see us. We don't want them to feel insecure thinking that mom and dad aren't getting along do you think it's good for mom and dad to have a no. little conflict in front of the kids?
1: I think it's a great question because we talked about that. My parents never had conflict in front of us. So I grew up thinking they never had conflict mm. because I never saw it. And I don't know that you – did you I see had your one. parents? One, one time your parents my had My parents conflict?
2: had one very –
1: Heated argument. Heated
2: argument. And I was five years old, and I was afraid they would divorce. And Mm -hmm. that was back when divorce was— Yeah, nobody got divorced. Nobody got divorced.
1: Well, we talked about it, I remember. And we decided that we wanted our kids to see us having some disagreements, not big conflict. But if we were disagreeing about something that was not a huge thing, but we really both had a strong opinion on it, we decided that we would go ahead and occasionally— express our disagreement in front of our kids and let them watch us work it out. And we did do what Dennis just said. We said time out, okay kids. We're, you know, here's here are the facts. We're not going anywhere. This is not life life altering. We just we just disagree and parents disagree and it's okay for parents to disagree.
0: In some homes it's not just disagreement, but as you know there are moms and dads who are saying Hurtful, oh, harmful yeah. things oh, yeah. to one another that, that in, kind front of the kids. in front not of the kids. That's uh-uh. not good. Uh-uh. If it does happen, though, again, you get the kids together, and that's right. And you confess this was not right for mom and me to be talking to this way to one another. Mm-hmm. And I've asked Kerf to forgive me, and I want to ask you to forgive me, and mm-hmm. I want you to know we love one another and we're staying together. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've used the D word, mm. if you had thrown the divorce word. Around
2: in an argument in front of your kids that they've heard either in person or through the walls. You need to get down on your knees in front of your kids
1: and Absolutely. say, "Absolutely,
2: we repent. We will never ever do that again." Why? Because they're going to school with kids from broken homes. Sixty percent of all kids will spend part of their first eighteen years of life with one parent. It's in their vocabulary. It's in their experience you got to build security. I, I've got one more very important way we train our kids to love others, and that's training your children to respect the boundaries and purity of the opposite sex. Train your kids to respect the boundaries and purity of the opposite sex. That means teaching your boys to protect the sexual purity of girls, to own it, not just protect them physically, but protect their sexual purity. I had the privilege of speaking to um, a football team a couple of months ago. uh, This was
0: a high school team, right? High
2: school football team. They're all shirtless. They're getting ready to have practice. It was hot (laughs) in the summer. And uh, I, I wanted to make the point to those guys, be men. Step up. Become men who protect your school and protect the young ladies and it was right as the hashtag MeToo was really in the news with a lot of people. And I just said, listen, guys, you can either protect a woman's dignity and her purity and who she is sexually, or you can be a barbarian and you could take advantage of her. I want to challenge you as a team to set a new standard in this high school. Instead of being rude to girls, instead, hold the door open for them. You guys need to start a rash of um, common courtesies, pulling the chair out for ladies, for your teacher. And just as a team, represent how real young men treat the opposite sex. And of course, if, if you're talking to a young lady, I would talk to your daughters about protecting the young men by being and dressing modestly. I remember one of our daughters who will remain unnamed, had this dress that she had on that she was trying on for prom. And Bob, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Barbara was there. She loved that dress. Barbara wanted <laughs> to buy the dress, right, sweetheart? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I said, uh uh-uh. uh you can't buy that, sweetie. Help your daughters protect young men. These are always where you're thinking of others before you think
0: of yourself. Mm-hmm. These are fundamental skills that we need to, as parents, be teaching our children before they know Christ so that when they do come to know Christ, when they surrender to him and then they read Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit with humility, regard others as more important than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, all of a sudden, they see this in the context of the gospel, and they're doing this to honor Christ, not just to— have happier and healthier relationships. I mean it it's good to have happy healthy relationships but at the end of the day what we care most about is that God is honored in how we relate to one another. And this is why this is one of the essential skills you guys talk about in the book The Art of Parenting. It's a book I hope every mom and dad will read together. In fact, there's a companion DVD series that small groups can go through together. We're hoping that this can be the beginning in a lot of churches, and a lot of homes of a parenting revolution, uh, a new commitment to being the most purposeful and intentional, well-equipped parents you can possibly be as you raise the next generation. We've got copies of Dennis and Barbara's book, The Art of Parenting, in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can order the book from us online at FamilyLifeToday.com or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to order. And the DVD series is also available. Information is available online or you can order at FamilyLifeToday.com. You can also order again by calling 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. You know, I'm remembering a scene in uh, the movie Like Arrows, the movie that we produced that was in theaters a few months ago. There's a scene where there's some sibling rivalry where a brother and a sister are fighting over Legos and uh, they say ugly things to one another and they have to learn how to make peace with one another. One of the things we wanted to do when we made that movie was find a creative way to engage moms and dads with the key issues that we all face as we raise the next generation. I know many of our listeners saw the film when it was in theaters. It's going to be available for purchase in early 2019. We have a limited number of DVDs of Like Arrows that we're making available this month to those of you who are able to help support the ministry with a year end contribution. Family Life Today, as you mentioned earlier, Dennis, is dependent on these donations. And right now, if you're able to help with a donation, Your donation is going to be matched dollar for dollar, up to a total of $2.5 million. You make a $25 donation, it becomes a $50 donation to Family Life. You make a $100 donation, it's $200. Whatever you're able to do... Help us take advantage of this matching gift opportunity, and we'll say thank you by sending you a DVD of Like Arrows. You can donate online at familylifetoday.com or call to donate 1-800-FL-TODAY. And we appreciate your partnership with us in this ministry. And we hope you can join us back tomorrow when we're going to talk about the most important relationship we can help our children with, and that's their relationship with Jesus. We'll explore that tomorrow. I hope you can be with us. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.